Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the On the Sideline podcast with Jackson and Kyle. I am Jackson and I'm joined here as always by the man who I would gladly trade a first and second round pick for. Kyle, Kyle, how are you doing? Doing good. How are you, my friend? Uh, You know, no football this weekend. How are you holding up? Yeah, I'm doing okay, Kyle. Uh, Kyle, I saw a movie last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah, you saw 80 for Brady, right? I think I saw this. <laughs> yes. Uh, what a uh, absolutely everything you would have expected. So not very good. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends on who the people. I will say the boomers in the theater had a great time. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah. So I think uh, if you're looking for something to take grandma to, I think this might perhaps uh, be something uh, for you to check out. It was it was just insane. I have no idea. I I will never. I will always wonder how this movie got made. I don't know. Uh, Brady obviously was willing to what he executive produced this thing, didn't he? So that's probably why. Yeah, well, yeah, that's 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 what I'm trying. To, I, I have to know when Brady got involved. Like, was this because uh, Kyle? There's a moment uh, in this where the so there the four old w- women who are like they sneak into the Super Bowl and uh, they just go into the offensive. They go to like the play calling booth, and Matt Patricia is like uh, cover two, and they say cover two. You got to do cover one. And then, uh, for whatever reason, they play cover one instead because they heard the old lady say it. And then, uh, I think that's the uh, most realistic part about this movie is the idea that uh, four random fans from the crowd could uh, call plays better than Patricia. That's hurtful, but I'd probably agree. Uh huh. Well, well, and also, uh, if Tom Brady was involved early on, did he write that into the script? He, he certainly, he at the very least, did not say, "Hey, let's not take that out of the script." <laughs> Yeah, that's probably true. I guess, uh, you know, Matt Patricia is like, yeah, this is basically my job anyways. So, yeah, uh, Zachary Stewart in the chat says, is it like the room type bad or is it Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom bad? It depends on if you like bad comedy. I love bad comedy, but that, that seems like that uh, your mileage might vary on that. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Look a little ridiculous. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, there's also uh, not to, not to just do the uh, the whole thing. Also, a scene where they break into the Super Bowl by pretending to be dancers. Uh, they're like, "Oh no, these are my dancers!" And then the security guard says, "Hmm, if you were really dancers, you'd be able to dance." And then they have to have a dance sequence to prove that they are, are in fact dancers trying to get into the Super Bowl. Um, right. <laughs> I don't really know what to think of all this. <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, worth a watch. Yeah. Uh, probably won't watch it. I'll be honest. Yeah, I, th- I think that think that's reasonable. Uh, speaking of Tom Brady, Kyle, 
Tom Brady is no longer an NFL player. We'll see how long this one lasts. Um, yeah. So this time he said it's for real this time. So this just pays this just backs up the argument that he wanted to stick it to Adam Schefter, right? Yeah, I think so. I think this confirms it, in fact, that this was just a he didn't like uh someone else announcing his retirement, especially because like you know what he he uh, he told the team at six in the morning that he was going to be. Re- Why are you telling the team at six in the morning, Tom? You're retired. What are you doing? Well, he hadn't officially retired yet. I guess I don't know. I guess so. um, you know, it, it's uh, you know, Brad Strong decided you didn't want to go into work that morning energy and just calls in. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, I guess I don't know. We we talked a lot about this last year, so it's kind of rehashing some of the things we talked about. But you know, it's the end of potentially the you know. Greatest quarterback of all time. He's, you know, if I were to count my top 30 moments as a human being living, Tom Brady is probably a part of at least six, maybe not more of them, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just kind of, you know, it's a a larger than life figure. And it's, uh, you know, uh, a sad day for the NFL because it's always fun to talk Tom Brady, even if everyone hates Tom Brady outside the spectrum. I think Tom Brady is a really fun player to talk about. Yeah, especially on this podcast, it's a sad day as obviously he won, uh, you know, seven Super Bowls with our between our two teams. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I gotta be honest though, as a Tampa Bay fan, there's part of me that I, I'm okay with it. I guess I don't know. I, I'm not like a lot of people are very sad about it. I'm sort of like, I, I guess I don't know what was happening if Brady stayed here. Anyways, I think it's it's sort of it might be for the best. Here's here's what I want to say. I hear I'm hearing a lot of. Oh, I bet Brady wishes he stayed retired. What a what a bust this final season was. I don't know. Wouldn't there have always been kind of a what if had he not played? Like, wouldn't it always kind of feel like, oh man, he nearly won MVP. The Buccaneers, uh, you know, lost in the final seconds to the Super Bowl winner that year. If he stayed, maybe they would have had a chance to win the Super Bowl yet again. Uh, isn't this kind of you know? At least now you know, like, okay, like yeah, this wasn't going to happen. Yeah, that's probably fair. It it would have been. Uh, it would have been tough to see it go down like that. But I mean, while I still think he was pretty good this year, I also don't think he's someone who really is going to ever accept being a mediocre football player, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think, I think while I still would say he was a top 10 quarterback this past season, I think Brady is obviously trending towards a mediocre quarterback rather than ever being the best quarterback in the league again. Right. So that's probably where he's at. And he probably just played the season. It was like, I don't, I don't think I can. I don't think I can do this anymore. If I'm just going to be average, yeah. Or maybe he's just it's pursuing his acting career. Acting career, uh, Fox Sports career. Um, well, yeah, that, 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 you're also making more money to retire. I guess that also helps. Yeah, he, he's going to be fine. But mm-hmm. it is interesting because I think last year I think there was a lot of you know rumblings about him actually retiring, and then he retired and then came back. This mm-hmm. year it seemed like everyone was convinced he was going to play again, and. Um, then he he goes and you know surprises everyone with this retirement announcement this morning. I, I didn't really think a retirement was on the table because there was a lot of talk of what is Tom Brady's next team at this point. Yeah, uh, Zachary Stewart says Jeopardy. Imagine Aaron Rodgers if <laughs> Tom Brady got the host Jeopardy. <laughs> he would be livid. He would retire on the spot. <laughs> I, I did like all the, the the jokes about how you know Aaron Rodgers isn't going to retire now because uh, no way he's going to be in the same. Uh, hall of fame uh group as brady uh he wants to front line that group i think jj watt retiring already probably turned him off from it with brady too like yeah i don't know yeah it it has certainly been a um you know 
fascinating development, fascinating offseason, just an awesome career. But I mean, I, I do think the big question is you touched on it briefly. What what is next for Tampa? What's next? What's your next step? If you were if if uh I forget the Tampa's GM's name, if he Jason called you Mike. up and said Jason Light, if he calls you up and said, Jackson, we need a plan now. Tom Brady's officially not coming back. What is your plan? Well, first, I probably talk way too long about the overvalued uh, nature of edge rushers. But after that, I think what I do is I uh, say there's I think there's two things. Uh, call Lamar Jackson. And then when he says no, uh, start Kyle Trask. Go 0-17 next year. And then, uh, you know, hopefully there's a good quarterback in the upcoming draft. <laughs> you're, you're that in on, uh, you know, letting Kyle Trask be terrible. I think I think the move you want one end of the spectrum. I think I don't think you go after uh you know a Jimmy Garoppolo here. I think that you I, I kind of get like I don't know maybe like a Baker Mayfield makes some sense to me of like hey there is this upside but also there's a great downside and that's kind of a win win situation. Uh you know the Derek Carr also I, I wouldn't be against but I don't know if the Raiders want to trade Derek Carr now that Brady uh, is off the market. So uh you know it, it's it's interesting but you know um at the end of the day. My mindset is this team is not very good. This team couldn't make the playoffs. This team couldn't have a winning record with Tom Brady as the quarterback. I doubt they're going to do much else unless you get, you know, Lamar Jackson. I don't know. If someone else, another star quarterback becomes available, okay, yeah, you make that move. Uh, I think there were some Kyler Murray rumblings last year. Uh, I don't know if that's still on the market. But, you know, I'm going to fantasize about – I've already sent uh, one of those – what is it? The where they Photoshop the Buccaneers jersey on uh, the player. I've already sent a, one of those of Lamar Jackson to all my friends in all the group chats. Uh, I'm already coping that way. But the reality is, uh, you know, we're we're back to the Buccaneers. We're back to the trying to find a quarterback. Yeah, that probably is. I think Derek Carr is very available. I, I even regardless of the Brady situation, I think it'd be pretty tough to ask him to come back at this point after basically sending him to Thailand or wherever he went on vacation right. those last two weeks mm-hmm. of the season. So um, uh, Zachary said Carson Wentz. Uh, Carson Wentz that. is available. Sure. Um, let's. Uh, he can be a tank commander. I'm fine with it. So, I mean, it, uh, there's definitely going to be something that has to be addressed. It would be interesting if they just leaned into like, uh, let's be as terrible as possible and read the, build this thing. Like, so if they're going to go with a, you know, what Gabbard and Trask are going to compete for the job this next season in a mm-hmm. tank, basically is, is Mike Evans available? Is Chris Godwin available? How many got how how far are you stripping this thing down to restart? Yeah, I think what they probably do, and you'd have some free agents like that, you know, to have like Levante David's a free agent, uh, and you know, he's gonna get paid with how he just performed. Um, you know, for me, I say don't trade uh Evans or Godwin, but basically tr- everyone else is available. Yeah, I mean, I can't blame them, and I mean, like. Levante David isn't that young. I know he's got a ton of loyalty to Tampa. They've been mm-hmm. very good to him over the years, but does he want to come back to this situation if Brady's not there? That's a tough ask to for a guy who's, you know, in his final years and it's probably his last big contract. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jamel Dean also, uh, he could be a, a key free agent. And they have they have no cap space. I mean, they're fifty million under the cap. I, uh over the cap, excuse me. Uh this is a team that is in, you know, they're they're in a tough tough spot. They're not gonna be very good next year. Uh, and even if they get Lamar Jackson, they're still probably doing a rebuild for a year or two. So the reality is this is a team that, you know, uh, blow it up. It was a great run. Uh, you know, let your star players try to win somewhere else and, you know, uh, start the rebuild now. I think that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so again, with, with the Brady retirement, 
you know, uh, he was pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely enjoyed watching him play. I like I how we can't can say in- anything because we just last year, we already said all the stuff. So now we have nothing else to say about it. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, he, he tricked us with the last retirement. We don't want to lean too far into it. I'm still hoping Brady plays week one this season. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, I mean, there was a, I mean, he's the GOAT. He really is. He really is. And I mean, we're completely biased because you are a Tampa Bay fan. I'm mm-hmm. a New England fan. We know that this sounds ridiculous. Uh, but there is a general sort of comfort in watching your team with Tom Brady play. I mean, there's really no way else to describe it. I mean, I, the only other thing I would compare it to is I also had David Ortiz as a player on my favorite baseball team. And it just felt like every time David Ortiz came up to the plate at the biggest part of the game, David Ortiz was going to come up with the biggest hit that you needed. It seems like any time I needed Tom Brady to go win a game, Tom Brady was going to find a way to win. Them. And, um, you know, I had that for 20 years of my life. And in the three years since, it hasn't been as fun. I got to say that. So um, it's it's going to be a tough, tough time for New England fans after this and tough time for Tampa fans, even after this shorter stint. Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, yeah. Tom, watching Tom Brady is great for your team. It, it's a lot of fun. It's just it's just a, it's just a blast to watch. You're right. He he has these situations where you're just like, uh, you know, and he's, you never feel like a game is over with him. Uh, and, you know, I can also relate to a former Tampa Bay legend that Josh Freeman was always great at, you know, uh, every time he needed to come through. He absolutely did. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's probably the same. I don't think that's quite the same. <laughs> I mean, he was he, 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 he I think he had like 10 fourth quarter comebacks that one year. Or not ten. He had like seven. His MVP season. He was electric that year. <laughs> I was so. I was so. Oh man, uh, what a disappointment! I, I I was convinced we had a guy. <laughs> I, I think everyone was convinced he was a guy. He was really good that year. It was unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, stupid Greg Chiano. Uh, so who wins the NFC South? Uh, is the question. Um, uh, chat, appreciate that. Uh, I mean, <laughs> who wants so it so early? Yeah, it's so early. I guess I'll pick Carolina because there's the most unknown there, like new coach, potentially new quarterback. I'll just buy Carolina stock right now. It's so early, is, though. I don't know. Is the best quarterback currently on an NFC uh, South roster Marcus Mariota? Uh, I think I no. take Darnold. I take. I think I take Darnold over Mariota. Is Darnold is Darnold a free agent though? Is he? I believe so. I think I'd take Matt Corral over Marcus. <laughs> okay, sure. I mean, maybe Taysom Hill. He might be the guy. Yeah, I guess so. Fair. Yeah, whoever gets, whoever, whoever gets, if Derek Carr, if, whoever spends the most money on a quarterback is going to win the division. Yeah, that's probably the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, should be should be a mess. Uh, looking forward to that. If you thought it was bad this year, uh, well, wait until next year. Six and uh, six and eleven might win the division. <laughs> hey, that, yeah, that might. Uh, you might have it locked up uh, week 15, too, uh, with the way this is going. Um, yeah, so that is Brady's uh, retirement. Uh, now let's move on to we have a I should have set up at the beginning of the show what we're going to do here. Uh, my bad on that. But, yeah, we just have a few topics we're going to go through as, uh, you know, uh, we we mentioned it on the, at the end of the last show what we're doing. But, you know, I uh, have several topics we're going to go through. The other three we have are we're going to get into the new coaching changes and all of that stuff. We have a draft. You know, we love our drafts here, especially in the offseason, uh, the top 10 Super Bowl storylines. And our next segment, I want to touch more on the refs conference championship talk, Kyle, because, you know, we touched on it live after the fact. And, uh, you know, uh, I always feel like what we say right after the 
you know, on, on that Sunday night show are, you know, uh, it's not canon. It's not really what we think. It's just our, our immediate reactions a lot of the time. But I felt like, you know, while we were very hard on the refs early on, I thought the narrative got a bit out, out of control. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I did not think that this was, there were some, you know, I don't know, like, okay, the block in the back, I, I rewatched it. Uh, there was, I can't tell. I never saw a great angle. One of them was a flop. The other one, it, we didn't see it. We didn't see it. It looked like a block in the back, but it might have been at the side. I'm not sure, but I don't know. The uh, the intentional grounding. I think looking at it from the broadcast angle again, it made sense to me. There was that the hold. Uh, you know, Bill Simmons, uh, I'm, who I'm assuming is your guy, just because the Boston connection. Uh, Bill Simmons uh, tweets out this like, "What's your favorite hold uh, on a play that you know was not holding?" Uh, you know, people were very upset, and it felt like the the you know. Chiefs hate in full force. It did, did remind me of some of these Patriots games where a small call would go their way and everyone is like, uh, you know, classic Patriots, league league rigged for Brady. Yeah. Um, I didn't, I definitely didn't think it was a hold on the last play, especially mm-hmm. when, you know, the rip through move. The funny thing with Bill Simmons too is, you know, the, a guy who supposedly says he watches every Patriots game could mm-hmm. watch Matthew Judon every play and see that the rip-through move does not result in a holding penalty. Right. He must like, be yelling at his TV a lot, I think. Yeah, I mean, people <laughs> just need to understand the rip-through move is not a holding penalty. If you're going to mm. use that move, you're going to get held. Um, right. But I do think, like, the, the one to me was the challenge. That was the big one because it resulted in a touchdown. Now, they could have got it on fourth and one, but the challenge play was still the big one to me that resulted in a touchdown. That I don't mm-hmm. think should have been a touchdown. And... I, I, you know, as we said on that thing, I thought it was a block in the back, the early one where he, you know, because there was mm-hmm. two questionable ones. The second one looked a little more like the flop, the more that I looked at it. The first mm-hmm. one where he's on the sideline looked more intentional block in the back to me. Um, I, I just couldn't get a good angle on it. it I, yeah. I actually agree. I think it probably was, but I couldn't say definitively because all just so people know the rule, all that has to happen is one hand has to be on the back. Even if the most of the contact comes from the side, if you put a hand on the back, uh, it looked like he got most of the contact on the side, but I would bet some contact went on the back, but I couldn't see definitively. Yeah. And then the other one was the, um, along with the challenge was the, uh, I mean, I don't know. I didn't think it was, it just felt like a huge spot in the game for that close of a call to be called uh, intentional grounding. Not to mention, I think that Chris Jones plants himself on top of, puts his full weight on Joe Burrow on the play. Mm. I just thought that would have, that should have been let go. He converts the third and 19 on that drive anyways. Obviously the time is one thing, but I mean, he still converts the third and 19 and had a chance to go forward and score on that play, that drive. But I just thought with the intentional grounding there, it was close. I thought P. Ryan was close enough to make it like, you know, close. And then I thought Chris Jones landed on him full, full stop. So that's one one I didn't like. But the two to me were the challenge and the block in the back. I didn't think it was a holding on the last play. It was a blatantly late hit and a dumb play by, um, a dumb play by um, Osai at the end. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, again, uh, intentional grounding as a whole, like it, it, there's there's that gray area of receiver and area. But like you know, the rule does say the receiver has to have a realistic chance to catch the football. And which I get that they don't call it that way necessarily. But I mean, P. Ryan is five yards down the field. The uh, you know, Burrow threw it two yards in front of him, uh, which is five yards behind the line of scrimmage. It is you know, by the letter of the law, it's clearly. A penalty but it, there's that gray area i didn't have a problem with it but i get it there is you know a gray area i feel like i've seen less close intentional groundings not called intentional grounding i think that's my reasoning behind it yeah they, they might need to work on like getting a definitive 
more a more definitive because I feel like there is a bit that that's something that they don't have. Uh, it's too big of a gray area. Maybe they could come up with a better uh, reasoning for that. Uh, Kenneth Lee says thoughts on elite Pro Bowl quarterback Tyler Huntley. Uh, just incredible stuff. Stupid. I ain't that. They just need to get rid of that stupid thing. Oh my god. <laughs> but like, we're not even doing the actual uh, Pro Bowl, right? Why? Why couldn't yeah. we just say these are the Pro Bowlers? If you say no, then we have less Pro Bowlers this year. Like, can't you still make this whole thing work? Why do we need Pro Bowlers? Just don't put contract incentives with Pro Bowl appearances and just say we have an all-pro team. This is our all-pro team. End of story. Well, the all-pro team has some issues too. Sure, but at the same time... like Not as bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's supposed to be the best of the best. I don't they know. Why can't, we, teams. why can't we figure out this Pro Bowl thing? Like, Why can't we just figure out a way to get the Pro Bowlers to be the right play? Like, Why do we, ha- why do we struggle with this so much? Because they don't care. All these guys are on vacation by the time the Pro Bowl happens. If they uh-huh. want to do a Pro Bowl, put a second bye week in the regular season, make every team have a bye week that week, and put the Pro Bowl in the middle of the season. That's that's the only way it'll work. Having it at the end of the season when everyone wants to do their off-season surgeries and go on vacation is stupid. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. That's just my opinion. I mean, I just think mm-hmm. these guys all want to get their surgeries done so they can be ready for camp. They don't yeah. want to play in a Pro Bowl. Right, and, and you want to go on vacation or whatever, like you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, you don't want to, yeah. I, I, I get it. It's a, it's a cool. It, I don't know. I, I just wish that we could have. I wish we could have nice things, Kyle. I wish we could get the Pro Bowl down. Yeah, but I mean, I agree. But at the same time, it's just tough. I mean, I, I just think like we already nominate what like forty-seven Pro Bowlers for the all pro, or forty-seven people for the All Pro team. How many more people do we need to nominate for this Pro Bowl nonsense? Especially if we're not even going to do a real game. Just, you know, just do all pro. Yeah, I, I guess so. What if they just played a different sport? Well, hockey, they never want to play the, uh, in the all-star game. Uh, NFL players never want to play in the pro. Well, it happens at the same time. Haven't played the other sport. <laughs> That'd be Jalen Ramsey thinks he could be the best hockey player in the world, <laughs> so maybe. Yeah, the opportunity to prove it. And they have to do skates and everything. No field hockey. Yeah, uh, that sounds horrible. That sounds like a really bad idea. I don't right. think well, listen, no bad ideas in brainstorming. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I just think if I, I just think they have to do it midseason. I think if they want people engaged, that's just yeah. as simple. You know, put some money on it. Do the same thing as everybody else does. Can't have it at the end of the year. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, it's it's it's. I think they just have to do something different every year. Like every year they do something like something unique. Some like there was there was that one year where they did the. Uh, it was like they had like the players pick, uh, you know, they did the draft and that was fun, but then it's not fun after like three years of it. Like it's only fun once, you know, you got to like do something new every year. I don't know. The NBA one's still pretty funny. Yeah. Is is that, I, I don't follow it as closely as you do. How was the NBA one? Well, they draft, but at the same time, so they did the draft last year and it was right after the Harden trade to Philadelphia. And mm-hmm. Kevin Durant was one of the captains. <laughs> so oh, right. he, he mm-hmm. refused to pick James Harden until the last pick. He, and then it was between James Harden and Rudy Gobert. And he took Gobert. So LeBron, LeBron was just laughing to himself because mm-hmm. of the whole situation. I thought it was great theater. And then this year they're doing it like two hours before the game. They're drafting the players. So gotcha. just going to be awesome stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. Well, the NBA also works because it's basically a soap opera. And it's pickup basketball, basically. Like, it's, yeah, it's the essence of the sport. Nobody thinks pickup football, you know. Right, right. There's too many players in football and all that stuff. Yeah, uh, they got it down. Uh, they know what they're doing. Uh, that's the one All Star game, but they're they're good. Yeah, it'd be like uh, I'll take Jake Kelsey, Jason Kelsey, with my uh, you know second round pick. 
<laughs> right. I was getting excited for that. Well, have them to play pickup basketball. Yeah, that'd be fun. Separated by positions, you have like the oh, here's what you do. Okay, you have like the offensive lineman team, the defensive lineman team, you have like the wide receiver team. Wide receiver team might win. They should just do like a skills challenge, like an Olympics sort of thing, where they do like weightlifting, basketball, they do all this stuff, and they separate it by position group. Yeah, yeah, I like, so like that. So obviously, like uh, linemen are you know favorite in the weightlifting, but when it comes to like like they could do like a combine thing, right? Yeah, th- that's what you do. That's we've we've got it down now. And maybe do you uh, you can have like a, a specific person? I don't know. Uh, whatever. I don't care anymore. It'd be funny if the quarterbacks don't win the throwing challenges, though. <laughs> it, it would. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, <laughs> well, who they're throwing out there it might not be uh, might not be out, out that out of the question. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, that's enough Pro Bowl talk for this day. Yeah, way too much. What were we doing there? Uh, let's move on. Let's talk about the. Uh, let's do the. Let's do the draft of the ten Super Bowl storylines, and then we'll finish with the new coaches. Uh, why don't we? So we have, uh, you know, ten uh, Super Bowl storylines. What we're doing is, if you're relatively new here uh, in the off season, we do a lot of these, which is the drafts, uh, where basically Kyle and I will draft style. Go down the list, uh, pick our, uh, you know, we're going to do a top 10 storylines. So, Kyle, we have to come up with a way to, uh, do you want the first pick or do you want me to uh, have the first pick? Um, I'll go first because I couldn't think of 10, so I want to make sure to get mine out of the way. Okay, yeah, I barely, it, it took me a minute too. Yeah, I didn't really think 10 would be Maybe we could have done five in hindsight, <laughs> yeah. but we're, we're, we, we have 10. 10 or until we run out of ideas. Let's do that. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, the number one thing for me actually is the Andy Reid of this all. Because, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it kind of flew under the radar for me up until after the game. And then I think someone mentioned it in our comments. And then I realized, like, it clicked back in my head because it had been so long. And apparently it was 10 years ago to the day or something that, or within a couple days ago, that Andy Reid was fired from Philadelphia. And, you know, looking back on it, that was a pretty big deal at the time because he was really good for the Eagles. He didn't win a Super Bowl, but he was really good. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's worked out very well for a sense, I'd say. I'd say he'd be happy with the situation. Um, but it's just a fascinating storyline for me. Andy Reid facing his own his former team. That's good stuff. Yeah, I mean, the, the best comparison I can think of would be like if like Kyle Shanahan had like a couple of bad years and then got fired from the 49ers. It's kind of that of like, uh, you, you know, they were constantly there. They were, you know, all around the Super Bowl and maybe with some better clock management against the Patriots, they could have won a Super Bowl. Who knows? Uh, but, but yeah, it, it's, it's, it is very fascinating of, you know, I, I don't know. I can't think of a, a time, a thing like this of like a, a former coach. I'm not sure if this has happened before. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure how, if it has happened before, but yeah, 11 years with the Eagles, he was incredible with the Eagles. And I mean, what they make the playoffs almost every year. I mean, if you look at here, I got it right here. So from 1999 to 2012, it was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine playoff appearances. So that's impressive stuff. He was 130 and 93 in Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, I mean, also, it's kind of this interesting thing where the breakup worked out for both of them, too, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Andy Reid wins the Super Bowl and gets the coach Patrick Mahomes. The Eagles, that kind of, uh, you know, set them up to eventually win their Super Bowl in 2017. And now they're both here. Uh, what is this winner of this game officially uh, wins that breakup, right? Um, 
Sure, I guess. Um, it took the Eagles a few years to get there. But yeah, they did finally get there. Well, they got they Chip the- Kelly, which did great because that allowed them to be bad enough that they could then fully tank and then, uh, you know, get where it had to be. I mean, they weren't terrible. I mean, they were what, 10 and 6, 10 and 6, 7 and 9, 7 and 9. Then finally, they, you know, Doug Peterson's second year, they win the Super Bowl. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, uh, the Chip Kelly thing was a bit of a disaster at the end. Yeah, I thought it, it went worse like- than that. I didn't realize it was just 7 and 9. Well, they had the um, – what was it that happened that year? I, it, it's too far back for me to go back and think about uh-huh. it. But at the same time, like, it, I remember it did work for a year. Then everyone's like, wait, we don't want to, like, regiment our diet with you. You suck. And then mm-hmm. it kind of just fell apart. Um, right. But they ended up tearing it down enough to go win the Super Bowl in 2017. So that worked out. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a um, – I, I guess you could say it worked out for both. But I, I definitely think Reed prefers this scenario than the Eagles. Well, yeah, it worked out like, you know, like there's like a very clear through line of how it worked out for Andy Reid. For the Eagles, it's kind of just like the domino effect that happened to, you know, hit the right domino. Uh, or I guess the butterfly effect would probably be the better example. Like, just it just happened to work out in a way that w- helped them win a Super Bowl. Also, David in the chat said, uh, didn't Chucky beat his former team in a Super Bowl? Right, I forgot. My own uh, team uh, won a Super Bowl uh, with the, you know, uh, John Gruden. Uh, obviously got traded from the Raiders to the Buccaneers and then beat the Raiders in the Super Bowl the following year. So, uh, yeah, so it has happened before. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. But, yeah, I definitely think that's the number one storyline is that conversation. Yeah. Okay, I'll go number two. To me, this is this is probably when we have more to talk about. It's Mahomes chasing greatness. It's the Mahomes put, trying to put himself in the GOAT conversation. Uh, he doesn't want to just be the quarterback of this era. He wants to be the quarterback of all eras. And uh, I don't know. All eras matter. Yeah. uh, I don't know. I don't think it's crazy to think that Mahomes could eventually put himself in a conversation. Like, can't you easily see him being sort of the the LeBron to uh, Brady's Michael Jordan? Yeah. I mean, he's definitely one of the more, you know, one of the most, if not the most talented quarterback we've seen. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, where especially I, I could say Patriots fans have some issues with Chiefs fans is they try and put him in this conversation before he's accomplished stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's now at this point now where if he gets his second year, you know, he's still got a w- little bit of ways to go, I think, but he's in the, um, he, he's got, you know, he's all of a sudden in the, in the ballpark, he's got a long way to go, but he's in the ballpark. He may be out in like the center field bleachers, but he could start making his way towards home plate there. So it, I definitely think he's on the right path. And if he wins his second, I think it becomes a little bit more of a conversation with some people. I'm not ready to get there yet, um, but I'm very passionate about this. But I do think he'd be in the right conversation, and he's certainly talented enough to win almost every year. Yeah, I mean, but you think about, like, the insane stuff. Like, like, I don't know if Brady had – if he wins – if Mahomes wins the Super Bowl, I think you could argue this is a better start than Brady had, even though Brady won three uh, at this point, whereas Mahomes only have two, because you also, ha- I mean, you know, you have five AFC championship game uh, appearances. You'd have three Super Bowl appearances and two Super Bowl wins in your first five years. On top of that, two league MVPs. Uh, and he's consistently been at the top of, you know, what he realistically, I mean, you could argue he should have won the MVP over Rogers uh, during Rogers first of back to back. So it's kind of weird. We're, uh, Rogers got to play an extra game than Mahomes because Mahomes sat out week the last week, and that kind of was, is what pushed Rogers over the edge. Uh, maybe Rogers, I think 
you know, I believe I felt like Rogers, if I remember correctly, I still felt like Rogers deserved it without that, but that was kind of what I felt made the voters feel that way. So there was a chance he could be having three MVPs as well at this point. Uh, again, I'm not saying I think he's better than Tom Brady. Obviously he has a long way to go, but he's off to a great start. Yeah. He's certainly off to a great start. And yeah, two MVPs and two Super Bowls would certainly be impressive. And two Super Bowl MVPs, we could probably assume, uh, depending on how this plays out. But yeah, I mean, it, it would all depend because yeah, Brady didn't win his first MVP until 2007. I mean, it was a weird situation where I don't think Brady, obviously, I don't think was as good coming out of the draft as Mahomes was. You know, one was mm-hmm. a first round pick and one was a sixth round pick. But it just seemed like Brady had this, you know, Sort of, I mean, he ended up making a couple Pro Bowls, those couple, you know, those first three Super Bowls, but he didn't really come into his own and hit his prime until I would say 2005, 2006. And that's when he really started to play good football. 2007, they put all the talent around him that makes him a 16 0 team. And then it's, you know, going on from there, he's fantastic basically from then all the way up until this past year. Um, so yeah, I mean, I definitely think it's a conversation. I still think it, it's going to take a little bit, but yeah, I mean, Two Super Bowls and two MVPs in your first, I mean, how many years has Mahomes played now? This is fifth year as a starter. Yeah. So, I mean, that's impressive stuff. Yeah. Uh, I also think that, you know, one thing that could help as well is, uh, you know, he, he ha- it, uh, having a good performance in the Super Bowl. Because if he has a bad performance in this Super Bowl and they lose, well, now you could start to make the argument of, like, is Mahomes, uh, you know, does Mahomes lose in the big games? I mean, because I think his first two Super Bowls, I would say he did not perform overly well. Now. The 49ers, you know, he still had that, but what, third and 15 play to Tyree Kill that kind of, you know, allowed them to win. But he he was not, he had a shaky performance in that one. Uh, obviously, the Tampa Bay game, everything went wrong for Kansas City. Uh, but, you know, if he has a bad performance here, uh, that could also, you know, that could hurt his legacy in the other direction. Yeah. I mean, I hope it doesn't come down that way, right? Like, I mean, I don't know exactly. I don't know. I guess it could be a bit of a conversation, but at the same time, I'm taking that with a grain of salt. I mean, he struggled to start that San Francisco game, but I thought he really kind of turned it around, you know, remembering back on that. He was excellent in the fourth quarter of that game. Um, well, not, that re- I, I don't know. I mean, he had an interception with 10 minutes left, remember? I mean, that was what that was where that infamous photo, of, you know, the moments taken before disaster of the, the you know, uh, 49ers celebrating up 10. That's right. Yeah, that's right. But, I mean... It was that point. It was that third and fifteen play on, basically, that he was perfect. Yeah, that's fair. So it'll be interesting. But yeah, I mean, if he has a good performance in this one, yeah, it puts him in the conversation. It'll be interesting to see if he struggles in this one. Which, I mean, I still think it's kind of a possibility. I don't think it's going to be a hundred percent from this angle injury. I think this Philadelphia defense is also incredible, and he's faced his, he's faced some really good defenses every time he's made the Super Bowl now. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, definitely. And again, good defenses tend to make the Super Bowl too. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, uh, usually uh, help. Kyle, go number three. Uh, let's go Kelsey brothers. First pair mm-hmm. of brothers. That's always fun. Um, you know, I don't have too much to add about this, but you know, the it's not only that it's two brothers because obviously we've had brothers play on the same team. They're facing each other is the first thing, and then second, I would say these are probably the two premier players at their positions. It's not like one's a bench player, one's a punter or something like that. This may be the best tight end in the NFL right now versus the best center in the NFL right now who's a brother. I think that's pretty fun. 
Yeah, uh, and you can also argue, uh, as great as uh, Jason Kelsey is, maybe he's not even the best center in this game because you got Creed Humphrey on the other side. But yeah, uh, no, but you're right. I mean, these are two guys that are have been at the top of their position for the past 10 years or so. Uh, and, you know, they both have a Super Bowl ring. Winner, I mean, g- gets bragging rights in the family forever, right? <laughs> at least until they play each other again, potentially. Yeah, until next year. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, I would say for now that they... Um... It, it would certainly be some bragging rights right now. And um, they're also just, you know, <laughs> Kelsey's a little bit, you know, he's funny sometimes, but this is definitely two fun guys to root for too. They both got personalities. Mm-hmm. Uh, I heard their podcast is good. I haven't listened to it, but it's mm-hmm. a, um, it's, it's good stuff. I think overall between these two. Yeah. Great personalities. Uh, those two. Yeah. Yeah. I would say so. But All right, well, let's go to number. To on that, yeah, yeah, we can't do a full segment on it. Next one I have is Jalen Hurts putting his name on the map is what I have here because I feel like I don't know. Talk about legacy. Him losing this game is still a great year for his legacy. It's still a ton has happened uh, successfully for him, but him winning, becoming a Super Bowl winning quarterback, that's just there's just that's just a, diff- a different pedigree for quarterbacks. Winning Super Bowls matters. And for him to be able to say, uh, you know, he won a Super Bowl as a starting quarterback, that's always going to be, you know, no matter where his career ends up, like Joe Flacco can still say he won a Super Bowl. Once you get that, you have that. Yeah, it's a huge thing. And Jalen Hurts has really come into his own this season. He's incredibly talented. And I mean, there's a couple different things you can look at this. First, it's Hurts winning a Super Bowl just legacy wise. I mean, not only, you know. He'll never have to pay for a uh, Philly, Philly cheesesteak again in Philadelphia, that's for sure. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like, imagine what he could take into contract negotiations if he wins the Super Bowl. Like, right. You have to pay him a fortune, right? At that point, you have to give him everything he wants. Yeah, that's like uh, Zachary Stewart said. You're in that Joe Flacco category. Everyone trying to get into Joe Flacco category. Um, yeah, you basically do have to pay him whatever. Uh, I think the city would riot. Uh, if you didn't, they'll riot anyway. It's Philly, but uh, you know. Also, uh, you say that uh, he'll get a Philly cheesesteak for life. Uh, if he, one bad season, they'll instantly turn on him. I mean, this is this is the team that. Uh, at halftime of the game after they won the Super Bowl, uh, they got to a slow start and the team booed them at halftime. I mean, this is it, they they very quickly turn on their own. Yeah, one bad season. That might be one bad week, honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he comes out of the gate, throws two picks. I I, I knew we should have stuck with once. Oh yeah, <laughs> should have skipped them all along. How dare uh-huh. we? <laughs> Nick Foles <laughs> is sitting right there for us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but no, I, I just think this would be uh, huge. Also, he could be. You know, we t- you talk about that iconic uh, draft of you know Justin Herbert, uh, Joe Burrow, uh, Tua. Uh, how about Jalen Hurts? A chance to be the first to get a ring out of that. Yeah, and I mean just the just the overall story of what this guy went through to get here. I think is pretty spectacular where you know he he got benched in the national championship and mm-hmm. uh you know that kind of changed everything and then all of a sudden it's uh you know he transfers schools he you know is really good there and then he's second round pick and i mean it's all kind of worked out for him now but there wasn't a guarantee he'd get this opportunity and be in this spot yeah um yeah, no, absolutely. Very cool stuff. Kyle, number five. Uh, wide receiver trades. Wide receiver trades are fascinating because there's going to be a narrative depending on which team wins the Super Bowl, right? If Philadelphia mm. wins the Super Bowl, it should be everyone should immediately go and trade for a number one wide receiver right now. 
And then if Kansas City wins the Super Bowl, they say wide receivers are too expensive right now. You should trade your number one wide receiver if they're too expensive or asking for too much money. Depending on who's going to win, I think this is going to become a narrative because both are worked out. That being said, I kind of lean Philly's direction unless you have Patrick Mahomes, which is only one Patrick Mahomes, so it doesn't really work that way. So, but I do think this is going to be a conversation topic for this is going to run like in the middle of like first take or something like that. Yeah, no, it, that's it's a great point. Um, yeah, I, I'm still with the. I don't know if I'm willing to say that the Chiefs made the right move getting rid of Tyree Kill. Still, even though they're in, in the Super Bowl, I think you could still argue that like I don't know. I feel like I would still like them having Tyree Kill in this game. You know, I still feel, feel like I would prefer that than them not having Tyree Kill. Obviously, it sets them up better for the long term, not having him. Uh, but yeah, I actually put these in two different uh, storylines, but you're absolutely right. I think that, you know, Titans fans probably aren't having a good week. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this can't be too fun for them. Uh, and Jets fans, too. Jets fans could have had Tyree Kill. Uh, right. But at least with that, he just didn't. He just chose not to go there. Like they didn't like you know screw anything up. Yeah. Do you think Tyree Kill's having a rough week? Uh, I don't know. Uh, he might be doing all right. Yeah, I'm sure he's all right. He got paid. He you know he gets to play with uh you know the most accurate quarterback of all time. Like he's all right. He lives on you know South Beach. He's gonna be fine. Yeah, I, I think he's doing okay. I, I think he's you know maybe looking at the weather in Kansas City and saying you know what I'm all right. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I did. I definitely think this is going to be a conversation. Yeah, th- this could have been broken up into two segments, but uh, I definitely think, you know, looking at these two trades and the two factors that went into them on both sides, and it's, you know, both trades have seemingly kind of worked out for both. I know you said you'd keep Tyree Kill, but what Kansas City was able to do, paying this entire offensive line, doing some of the things they did, it seemed to work out for them too. Well, yeah, Kansas City, again, we, we, we kind of talked about the difference in the offseason. We talked about the difference between what Kansas City did and what, uh, you know, what Green Bay did. Uh, we thought Kansas City did a much put much more effort into actually working on the receiving core. And it's not like the receiving core uh, has a bunch of stars, but they have a bunch of players who just do things well. And obviously you still have the, you know, one thing is they still have the superstar uh, guy to throw to in Travis Kelsey. Right. Yeah, having that and they were able to add some depth around him. I definitely think that's worked out in their favor. But yeah, it has been fascinating to see, um, you know, how that trade has kind of played out. And yeah, I mean, do you think if they don't have, I mean, it's kind of stupid to say, but like, you can't make that trade if you don't have Kelsey, right? Yeah, I absolutely. I think that I mean the the whole point of this trade was to get more even across the board. You still you know be able to beat any kind of coverage. And I still think that the you know the Chiefs uh you know the Chiefs scored less points this year uh in terms of points per drive. But what they did was they were able to kind of beat any defense, which was kind of the move. Uh, but I think to to do that, you still need a guy who can win one on ones consistently, and they still have that. Yeah, and maybe if Marquez Valdez Scantling didn't go off in last week's game. We'd be saying, "Well, I wish we had Ty- wish they had Tyree Kill in that game." So, right, it is an interesting conversation. Yeah, definitely. Um, number six. Uh, so my pick here, uh, I'm going to go Chris Jones's Hall of Fame case. Chris Jones, the Ooh. guy who I think has, you know, he's putting himself in the Hall of Fame con- uh, consideration. He might already be there. I don't know. I don't know where how people feel about him. I feel like he has the numbers to do this, but I feel like this is kind of the first time he's really getting the respect that he deserves. Yeah, I mean, he's a defensive player of the year finalist. I I said before, he's my pick for the winner this year. I don't think he's going to win it. But mm-hmm. 
I mean, this has been an incredible, what, three, four-year run for him outside of when they try to play him at defensive end. Right. I mean, he's been he's been kind of the guy for this team. I mean, he's been sensational. And I don't know how his numbers stack up to some of the Hall of Famers, but, like, if your argument for him over the last four or five years not being a Hall of Famer is he's not Aaron Donald, well, I'm sorry he's not Aaron Donald, but he is pretty darn good, and he's probably the closest thing we have to Aaron Donald in the league that's not Aaron Donald right now. Yeah, I think he's the clearly been, you know, since, I don't know, uh, since 2018, which was kind of his breakout year where he had 15 and a half sacks. Uh, you know, th- this, these past five years, he really has been, uh, you know, again, uh, him and, interestingly, him and Mahomes kind of at the same time, uh, you know, he was drafted a year earlier. But, uh, you know, really this kind of where they took off. Uh, and he's, I mean, he's he's the Mahomes of the defense, really. And he's still only 28. I feel like I always feel like he's older than he is. Yeah. Yeah, I, I... I agree. It's it's fascinating to see his development. And I mean, how many years has he been in the league now? It's his year one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So, I mean, mm-hmm. theoretically, you know, if he ends up, let's say he ends up in the league for another five good, se- you know, another four or five good seasons. And, you know, he's able to rack up another three, four, potentially five all pro years, even if they're second team all pro years. I mean, it's it's hard to kind of deny him that opportunity, right? Especially with two Super Bowls. Yeah, so especially when I mean he has an out, you know, what sixty five career sacks. There's an outside chance he could end up with a hundred career sacks too. Which for a guy who played most of his career as an interior defensive lineman, I think he's probably uh, you know I think he definitely has a good case. But you know what would help a good performance in a Super Bowl? I mean that always helps. That always sticks in people's minds. And uh, this is something that you know uh, he already I think had a good performance in the Super Bowl, but didn't get on the stat sheet. Uh, too much so I think that which is crazy because that my memory of that Super Bowl was Chris Jones just always in the backfield uh, but you know that's just not how it ended up happening with like the stats but maybe getting a, a sack here or two could really help uh, help with that case yeah not everything is about the uh, you know sack numbers all that kind of stuff that's why we keep saying it he was fantastic in that game and you know he's been fantastic all season even when like you know Frank Clark had an incredible year Chris Jones helped with a lot of that yeah all right number seven Kyle all right, let's keep it moving. Um, I want to see this Eagles secondary. They spent a lot of money on the secondary, and it's going against – we talked about Patrick Mahomes and his legacy game, but this is Eagles secondary versus Mahomes to me because this is by far obviously their biggest test of the season. You know, the the narrative for Philadelphia was this team's untested. And, I mean, I think there's a little bit of validity to it, but at the same time, they're 14-3. and three. We can't fault it that much, you know. Aaron Rodgers did pretty good against this team. Uh, Dak Prescott, when he played there one game, did pretty good against this team. Outside of that, like, I mean, Jared Goff did pretty well against this team. I guess you could say, like, they bottled up Kirk Cousins, they bottled up Kyler Murray. Those are the two arguments you have. I'm fascinated to see how this secondary performs against Mahomes in this offense. Yeah, it should be very interesting. If the Eagles win this game, let's say like Darius Slay and James Bradbury each get a pick in this one, could this potentially finally be a year where teams sort of wake up and say, hey, if you can get really good corners, uh, that can be a, a huge way to get you to a Super Bowl and win it? Uh, yeah, I think so. And, and don't discount Avante Maddox with that too. I mean, he's a really good slot corner, I think, mm-hmm. as well. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's going to be it's it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. But, I mean... Everybody loves their edge rushers. Edge rusher is a flashy player. Those guys are going to be paid at a premium no matter what. So it seems like some of these guys are still going to go a little under the radar. But their ability to assemble this team, I mean, they got Bradbury for what? Basically nothing in the offseason. 
and then they traded for CJ Gardner Johnson because New Orleans basically needed cap cap space. Mm-hmm. And so they added to the secondary with two moves that were essentially for nothing. And it went from kind of a leaky secondary to elite, just like that. I mean, it's an incredible offseason for them. Yeah, no kidding. Um, let's keep it going. I'm going to go number eight because it's kind of you know in line. I'm going to go great line play. I think just all across the board, there's some really good uh, linemen in this one. I think the both teams have good offensive lines outside of the Chiefs right tackle, Andrew Wiley. Uh, no disrespect <laughs> to him, but I mean, you know, he's the one guy who, uh, you know, definitely stands out when you look at the 10 starting offensive linemen. Uh, but other than that, nine very good offensive linemen in this one. Uh, obviously, the, the Eagles have a loaded defensive line. And the Chiefs, maybe not quite as loaded, but they still do have some guys. Frank Clark's okay. Like, if Frank Clark was paid $7 million, no one would, uh, you know, everyone would say he's a good player. It's just that, like, he just, he's definitely not worth the insane contract he got. Um, but, like, you know, uh, George Karloff, this is definitely uh, another guy who's come through and be able, been able to make some plays. So, uh, you, you know, they have guys who can come through, but obviously, Chiefs definitely much more a, you know, Chris Jones kind of uh, doing a lot of the heavy lifting there. Uh, but still, a lot of good linemen here in this one. Uh, yeah, I think that is a uh, – that's a really good point. Yeah, I mean, these offensive line and the, these defensive lines are stacked. And I think what was surprising is they were equally, I thought, pretty good last week outside of Cincinnati's offensive line, which was banged up. But we saw basically all the defensive lines, I thought, kind of win. And that was a little surprising to me because we're all like offensive line usually beat a great offensive line usually beats a great defensive line um, mm-hmm. most cases. And I thought Philadelphia really won. I thought Kansas City and I thought Cincinnati even both got really good defensive line play against good offensive lines. So it's going to be interesting to see how that transitions to the Super Bowl and how those two lines approach that. Wait, are you saying uh, are you saying the Bengals offensive line is good? No, I was saying everyone besides them. Okay, gotcha. I, I missed, missed for a second. I was like, I don't know what what you've been watching, Kyle. Yeah, that was the one. You know, I thought San Francisco's was good. You know, but they got beat up by Philadelphia. I thought Kansas City's offensive line was good, but they kind of got beat up by Cincinnati at times. I thought too. So it it'll be interesting, I think, to see how that plays out in the Super Bowl, uh, just between these two great sides. Yeah. Oh, uh, your last pick, number nine. All right, number nine. We will go with. Um, uh, let's, I want to talk, man, let's go with this read option here. Cause this read option for Philadelphia, I think is fascinating. Even Philadelphia, even San Francisco, San Francisco, what do you think is the best, you know, fo- defensive football? I think struggled at times with this read option. It's really hard to, you know, kind of decipher. I think Jalen Hurts plays it better than anybody else in the league. And for all the things we think are wrong with Kansas City's defense, you know, what's not wrong with Kansas City's defense the athletes they have on the team. The athletes, especially at linebacker, when you look at Willie Gay, Nick Bolton, those guys, the speed they have, how, and Carlos Dunlap is very good too. How are those guys going to be able to decipher this read option, handle this Jalen Hurts running game, and handle this Eagles running game as a whole? Yeah, this is a good one. You know, I had mobile quarterbacks on my list, which uh, kind of, uh, you know, in similar vein, I think of just like, you know, what, what have we seen this where there's two quarterbacks who both use their legs in a, a key aspect of it. And that's kind of feel like this is the new NFL in a ways. And yeah, you know, uh, you know, the read option, like you said, it, kind of the last time we've seen this is, uh, you know, uh, I was, I think about Nick Foles in the Super Bowl. Now he didn't run the ball. It was much more, you know, but all those RPOs then, 
Uh, and just with, you know, this more of a you know a different approach, but kind of the same thing of like you put a, a wrinkle on your offense. It just means that teams aren't used to playing you, but it also makes me wonder uh, an extra week to prepare. Maybe that's, uh, you know, maybe that's OK for Kansas City. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think it's a, um, you know, I definitely think it's interesting to um, see how this is going to play out. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just I, we haven't seen anybody stop this defense, this running game. And I think it's going to be really yeah. hard to see how Kansas City handles it. But I mean, I'm a big fan of Willie Gay. And I think Nick Bolton's also an elite middle linebacker. He's not quite Fred Warner, but I still think he's pretty good too. It's going to be interesting to see how this middle of the defense stops this because. They're going to need the help. If Philadelphia, we think, based on who's in the Kansas City secondary, we think they're going to be able to throw the ball in Kansas City. Are they also going to be able to run the ball? Because then how does Kansas City get stops? Well, right. Uh, I mean, again, you know, as good as some of these linebackers are, too, it's like, well, do you trust them to be able to shed blocks when it's Jason Kelsey coming at them? Uh, you know, yeah. it, it just definitely a storyline to look out for. Um, I'll give my final storyline now to 10th. And final storyline, uh, heading into Super Bowl Sunday, uh, I have Legereus needs uh, health. That's what I have. Of is he going to play? Is he not going to play? Obviously, the you know the best corner for Kansas City. If he comes in and is able to play, uh, is going to help them out a lot. If he doesn't, that uh, that's a big impact. So I think that's a heading into this, not during the Super Bowl, but heading up to the Super Bowl, a big storyline. I think. I agree. Uh, he's he's got good size. He's got good speed. He's kind of the corner you want to match up with AJ Brown. If you could, you know, make up mm -hmm. a corner to match up with him, he's got the size to kind of deal with him. And look, Kansas City, we know what this defense is. We know what Steve Spagnuolo likes. He likes to play it on the aggressive side. And can you play on the aggressive side if Legereus Need is not out there? I definitely think that's something that's going to be called into question. Yeah, uh, definitely should be fascinating. And again. They're going to do a bunch of uh, schematic stuff, and, and we'll get more into the Super Bowl as a whole uh, a week from today when we do our full preview. But uh, want to move on to the coaches? Yeah, let's do the coaching stuff. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the only other uh, storyline I had on my list was that running backs don't matter, uh, which is, you know, uh, relatively true, I think, right? I mean, you got these teams that pretty much can have success with uh, any running back, but I don't know if it's a massive storyline. No, no, I don't think it is. I, 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 I needed a 10th one. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, let's talk about the coaches. So we've got three new coaches to talk about. We're also going to talk about a, a handful of coordinators here. But the, you know, the headliner, Sean Payton to the Broncos. Uh, the Broncos trade uh, first round pick. And this first round pick has moved around a ton as this was the first round pick that the Broncos got from trading Bradley Chubb. Uh, it was so it was the Dolphins, uh, to, you know, uh, to the Dolphins. Uh, the Dolphins got that pick in the uh, Trey Lance trade from the 49ers, uh, which uh, I'm trying to remember. I think it might have even been uh, something else as well. But, uh, you know, moved around a bit. It's the 20, 28th overall pick, I believe, is where it's at, somewhere around there, 28th or 29th. Uh, but the, you know, that one and a second round pick, they also get a third round pick back and Sean Payton. Um, my reaction to this is listen, Denver might be screwed with um, a dud at quarterback who they're paying a ton of money for. That might be the case. But you know what? It's still worth trying and still worth trying to be successful. And if this Sean Payton thing works out and he is able to fix for us and fix this offense, this could be a, a massive steal for them. Yeah, it could be. Um, it'll be. And I mean, they still have they still have another pick, don't they? Oh, no, they traded it. That's right. They mm -hmm. traded it for uh, Russell Wilson. 
Right. So, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to make this trade, you, you've you got to, you know, if you're going to make this Russell Wilson trade, you have to do everything you can to be competitive, right? And mm-hmm. being competitive means getting a good coach. I guess the question question is, do you think Sean Payton's worth this? Do you think he's worth a first and second round pick? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think I'm probably there with you. Like, I don't know. You're you're not as fan, you're not as big of a fan of this trade as I am. I think he, he's a good coach. Is he a great coach that's worth giving? I mean, I don't know. I kind of value having a starting level player at the first and second round. You know, that's potentially two starters from your lineup for a head coach. I feel well, like that I mean, a little. I'm not saying that there's it's not valuable. I'm just saying that uh, Sean Payton o- over the course of his career, signif- his team significantly over exceed expectations. The offenses have significantly over exceeded expectations. He's the one, the one coach where you, you say, yeah, they don't have great receivers, but it's Sean Payton. He'll figure it out, uh, which yeah. Denver could certainly use, uh, given last season, how that went. So, uh, I don't know. I think that a great head coach is from what, everything I've seen, all the analytics and just the eye test feels like a great head coach, a great play caller, can really elevate, you know, can can add you a couple of wins in a season, which uh, I think is definitely worth uh, the the draft capital. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I I can agree with that. So I mean, they they paid a lot for him, and it seemed, you know, from what we heard, it seems like they were going to pay a lot to their coach anyways. You know, just because you know new owners want to splash the cash around, and um, mm-hmm. you know, we'll see if they can get this work. We'll see if he can fix Russell Wilson in this offense. Yeah, great situation for the Saints, right? Uh, they just got a you know some draft capital for for nothing, especially a team that didn't have a first round pick anymore. Like obviously right. they they probably would have liked the tenth pick uh, back, yeah. but at the same mm-hmm. time, like not having a first round pick and now getting back into the first round, that's that's a pretty good deal for them for someone who wasn't even coaching. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I guess that's the one thing you could look towards is like you know Denver, you were kind of. Uh, uh, what bidding against yourself here? Like uh, I'm assuming Sean Payton said he wanted to go to the Broncos and he had to make the deal uh, work. You think that you could have, you know, maybe found a way to get it for less than that, but I don't know. Uh, maybe the Saints are just good at negotiating. Yeah. I guess the interesting one with this too, is that cause I mean, depending on who you're listening to and I had heard other people say on like podcasts and such that D'Amico Ryans was probably the guy in Denver. And then I think it was um, Schefter said that was never the case. And then, um, Rappaport said that they tried to get Ryan's, but then went to Sean Payton. Basically, oh. like it, it was kind of a thing. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, I guess the question is: is Sean Payton is trading a first and a second for Sean Payton worth more than D'Amico Ryan's? And I mean, if Sean Payton's as good as he is in New Orleans and he's able to rectify this offense, I would say yes. Yeah, uh, and again. If it doesn't work out, you're screwed anyway. If you can't fix this yeah. uh, uh, Russell Wilson thing, like it, it's it, to me, it's the equivalent of having a, a rookie quarterback essentially. Like it's just you know, uh, you're, all that matters is the quarterback. Yeah, I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, another one we talked about D'Amico Ryan's. He is now the head coach of you know he was a former player of the Houston Texans. He is now the head coach of the Houston Texans. Hey, Houston Texans keep hiring uh black coaches. You know, that's good, right? I mean, they keep firing them too, but at least they're, at least they're hiring them. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously I think we're all big fans of D'Amico Ryan's a defensive coordinator. I have no idea if it's going to work out as a head coach. It always seems mm-hmm. like this is kind of like a 50, 50 thing, but I just hope they give him a real chance. You know, this can't be a one year thing. And 
I think the other thing that comes down to this is, you know, Texans are going to have to draft a quarterback. You know, he's got a, yeah, as a defensive coordinator taking on this job, <clears throat> he has got to um, knock this trade. You know, he's got to knock this offensive coordinator pick out of the park, and he's got to knock this pick out of the park. That's going to be the biggest thing of D'Amico Ryan's coaching career. Yeah. Well, Zachary Stewart says, why the hell would you want the Texans over Broncos? Well, I mean, given the Russell Wilson situation, I mean, the, the you know, the Texan thing, you have to, it, you know, uh, the devil you know or the devil you don't kind of feels like uh, with, you know, the quarterbacks are what matters. I don't know, Kyle. I'm not as crazy about this Ryan's uh, signing as some other people are. Don't get me wrong. I like the signing enough to like, I, to me, uh, he was, a, there was five jobs. He was a top five candidate, uh, I feel. But like, you know, uh, his history is he was, uh, you know, he worked his way up in the 49ers uh, organization. He became the uh, defensive coordinator once Robert Sala uh, left to be the head coach of the Jets. Uh, and, you know, the defense was very good with him. But I guess my concern, is, I just, I don't love defensive coaches. Kind of, we talked about this, about seems like defensive coaches sometimes coach for what's best for the defense. They've coached for, okay, let's not play aggressive. Let's not put our defense in tough spots. Let's make sure we run the ball and keep our defense rested. If, you know, they, in the interview, say, oh, you know, don't worry. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to play aggressive. I know it's a passing league now. Uh, I'm a good defensive X's and O's guy, but I'm definitely going to, you know, have a aggressive mindset. Then I'm good with it. But not every defensive coordinator turned head coach does that. In fact, uh, the majority do the opposite. Right. And he's going to have to accept that as a head coach. And I think that's really hard for defensive coordinators to overcome. Not all defensive coordinators are bad head coaches because some are willing to say, this is a team game. We need our offense and defense to perform well. And I'm hoping as a guy who comes out of San Francisco, he's willing to allow that to happen a little bit. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I mean, like, I know Dan Campbell wasn't a quote unquote defensive guy. But he certainly let his offenses cook a little bit more and played on the aggressive side of the offensive side of the ball. Um, he needs to kind of have that sort of approach to it. Yeah, and, and also, you know, again, who knows if this stuff? He he was a former player. I, I imagine that that would, uh, you know, imagine that that could help, right? I would think so. Yeah, I would think so too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and and again, uh, you know, uh, from you know, gets returned to where he used to live in Houston. So cool stuff there. Um, you know, he, I think he said like, it was always like his, his lifelong dream to coach the Texans or whatever. So that's all cool. Uh, the other, uh, head coaching hire was a bit of a surprise. Frank Reich, who I thought was going to be one of the, you know, I thought he was going to be a good offensive coordinator hire ends up getting a head coaching job here with the Carolina Panthers. Um, you know, Panthers made a big splash paying a ton of money for, uh, Matt rule had that not work out now, Frank Reich, who, uh, you know, I think maybe got a bit too much criticism for how things ended with the Colts. At the end of the day, if you don't have the quarterback, you know, we always talk about if you have the quarterback, you're going to be all right. If you don't, you, you're not going to be all right unless you're Kyle Shanahan. Uh, Frank Reich still had some good coaching years. I think this could work out, but it is a bit, bit of a, you know, maybe you're not going after the highest ceiling here. Yeah, I guess that's fair. But at the same time, do you want the known commodity or do you want to take a chance on somebody like, uh, you know, the, the interesting thing is, is the guys I liked as candidates kind of backed out a little bit towards the end of this thing. Like Ben Johnson, Dan Quinn, both decided they didn't want to be coaches. Mm -hmm. I think you, I mean, I would have given a lot more attention to Lou Anarumu, but it didn't seem like he really came up in this coaching cycle, which is interesting. Um, but that's also a defensive coordinator situation too. So yeah, I mean... It, at least you could very at, at the very least you could say Frank Reich if he learned anything from Indianapolis 
he learned how hard it is to be successful in the NFL without a quarterback. <laughs> so he's mm-hmm. going to do everything he can to make sure he gets that quarterback option in his room. Yeah, well, luckily they have Matt, uh, uh, they have Matt Corral now, so they're good. Hey, I mean, he developed once pretty well those first couple of years. If he can get, you know, if if he can get something out of Corral, that's a win, right? You don't have to draft somebody then. I, I would, I would, I would uh, probably draft someone. I don't know. I like Corral in the draft. It's kind of a bummer he got hurt, but I mean, yeah, I don't know. I guess see what he looks like in training. See. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, uh, sure. Uh, you know, uh, could be worse scenarios. And then if you suck next year, hey, get a good draft pick uh, the following year. Um, those are the three new head coaches. They're still the Cardinals and the Colts uh, looking for head coaches. Seems like everyone's gotten a, uh, an interview with the Colts. Yeah, they're trying to break some sort of record. Yeah, I think so. Uh, five coordinators I want to talk about as well. First, Vic Fangio with the Dolphins. Feels like a good get for the Dolphins, uh, a team that could definitely use improvement on their uh, you know, secondary. That secondary seemingly has the talent, but for whatever reason just did not look good last year. Even the guys who typically are good did not play well. Uh, seems like this is a, hey, let's get, you know, I don't know. Feels like a good get for Miami. Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. You can go get another corner two to play outside uh, opposite Howard. And, you know, year to year, like you, you've said it before, this stuff can be kind of fluky. And you just kind of hope that better scheme. I mean, this is a very secondary friendly scheme. Mm-hmm. And you're just hopeful that it kind of works out this year. Yeah, I mean, if this does work out and Vic Fangio does what Vic Fangio does as a defensive coordinator, this Miami Dolphins team could be Super Bowl favorites. They could be that good. I mean, it all depends on Tua's health and Tua able to replicate sure. what he did a lot of last season, too. But mm-hmm. yeah, this defense could be very good because there are talented players back there for sure. Yeah. Um, another one, uh, I think the Chargers getting Kellen Moore is so fascinating to me. First, the Kellen Moore breakup with the Cowboys was just interesting. Kyle, doesn't it give a little bit of vibes of Mike McCarthy might be on his way out? Of just anytime a head coach, anytime play calling changes, it's bad news. Yeah, it, it seemed like it was a weird time for that. And it was like, uh, you know, now he's taking over the play calling. And I don't know. This feels like it could be a disaster for Dallas, right? Yeah, I thought he was a good play caller for them. I don't know why. You know, I don't know. Uh, it, it's, it's one of those times where you hear mutually parted ways. And it feels like it was actually mutual this time. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't think it was perfect. But at the same time, like, I thought it was pretty darn good. Like, I mean, you, but look at the re- the receiving core was definitely lacking. Uh, I thought this year. I mean, it wasn't a disaster, yeah. but like, it, it, you know, they could really have used some secondary receiving, and he still found ways. I mean, listen, uh, you know, worked. He he did a great did a great job against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, he definitely did there. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It seems a little harsh. I don't know. This could be bad for Dallas. I really do because it does seem like you got a desperate coach at this point. Yeah, and and I'm fascinated about the Chargers. Like, I don't know if. But it's also kind of a weird fit with the Chargers because I feel like what made Kellen Moore so good was kind of like how he got the most out of a good but not great quarterback. Well, now he has a quarterback that I would say is a level above uh, Prescott. We all want to see Herbert throw the ball a million times down the field. That's not really what Kellen Moore did in Dallas, but maybe he'll change it with the Chargers. I don't know. I certainly get why he wanted to go there because, you know, sure, uh, get Herbert, uh, you know, get the coach Herbert. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, he could give him a chance to mix up some personnel. I mean, obviously, he had a, you know, he had good running backs in Dallas. He had good, you know, he had a specific scheme, it seemed like, but I definitely think that can change. So mm-hmm. it'll be fascinating to see how it plays out. But I mean, 
I would like to see them, you know, see if he can get Justin Herbert moving a little bit more. Cause I think Herbert is really good at making throws and really good at timing stuff, but he also has good legs. I want to see them, you know, use him a little bit differently than how he has been in the past. Yeah. Another interesting coordinator uh, job for me was uh, the Rams getting Mike LaFleur, the uh, Jets offensive coordinator and the brother of Matt LaFleur, the Packers uh, head coach. You know, he was definitely when he got uh, hired, there's a lot of hype about um, uh, LaFleur because uh, obviously what his brother did and coming from the Shanahan tree. Now he's going to be under the Sean McVay tree as an offensive coordinator. If the offense is good next year, he's a head coach a year from now. Yeah, probably, but didn't he didn't he just get, you know, um fired by the Jets? Yeah, but that was uh, yeah, he did. But I kind of felt like he got a bit of a raw deal there. I I, I don't know what else he could have done in that spot. Uh, you know, uh, the, the quarterback play was so terrible while he was there. Like I I don't know how you can blame him. Yeah. And maybe that's part that, of his fault, I don't know, but Yeah, I mean, it's fair. And I mean, he obviously knows the scheme, so it's a seamless transition. Mhm. It, it does seem kind of interesting how this all played out. I mean, I definitely think the Rams' problems are personnel and not play calling. I don't think the play calling was awesome last season, but I definitely think it was personnel and getting guys healthy. That's going to be more key than, um, you know, who the OC is because they have a scheme that they're just looking to plug a guy in to run effectively. Yeah, I don't know. Something I found interesting. Um, the, also, speaking of the Jets, we can talk about their decision to get Nathaniel Hackett as their <laughs> offensive coordinator again. Feels like they did this, this for the exact same reason as what, what the Broncos did hiring Nathaniel Hackett as their head coach. Yeah, so get the uh you know, get the, the uh Aaron Rodgers, you know, rumors going. Mm-hmm. Makes it it makes too much sense, right? Is this too easy? He's gonna be a Packer next year. I just know it at this point. Uh yeah, wait, as in uh Rodgers is gonna remain a, as a Packer? Yeah, because we're gonna be talking about the Jets all offseason and be like, no, I want to stay in Green Bay. That's yeah. just going to be it. That's our off season every year until he retires. I get so sucked in, Kyle. I'm already, I'm already convinced he's a Jet, and it's not going to happen. You're right, but it just, I don't know. I can't help myself. Yeah, um, that's definitely fair. But at the same time, like, it'd be fun if he's a Jet. Yeah, uh, especially for the Jets. I mean, that that's a big. I feel like that's a big swing uh, if they get uh, Aaron Rodgers versus if they're uh, sticking with Mike White for another year. Uh, that won't happen. That's for sure. You don't think you think they'll, yeah, they'll, they'll get a Garoppolo or someone. I, I definitely think one of Rogers, Garoppolo, or Carr is going there. That's my feeling. Not Jameis Winston? No. Okay. Uh, yeah, they already have a guy who can throw a ton of interceptions. Yeah, they, they got that covered. They don't have to worry about it. <laughs> yes. The other final one I want to talk about uh, your guy, Bill O'Brien, the offensive coordinator of the New England Patriots, Kyle. Uh, you know, are are you sad that the, the the you know Joe Judge and Matt Patricia era of offensive coordinators is over? No, Matt Patricia's the bane of my existence. I'm mm-hmm. I'm so happy he's gone. Thank God. Um, you know, I I didn't think uh you know the I didn't think it was the perfect obviously hire. I mean, he was good with the Patriots in 2010. I didn't think he was very good at Alabama the last couple of years. But literally mm-hmm. anything should be better than what we had last season. I mean, the Boston Herald article came out that was like, nobody nobody liked Joe Judge, Matt Patricia, nobody understood the offense. People were saying that we needed more plays. Like, none of it made sense. None of this stuff made sense. And, um, you know, they definitely needed a change. And getting someone who at least 
knows how to call plays, I feel like is a giant step in the right direction. Yeah, I, I think I think so. Getting someone who actually has had experience as uh, in offense and uh, you know, and, and like you said, good experience. I've always felt like Bill Belichick. Uh, Bill Belichick. I've also like Bill O'Brien. Again, I don't follow college as closely. I've heard it didn't go overly great there, but in the NFL, he has had success coaching. Again, just don't ask him his advice on whether or not you should keep wide receivers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everything you know, he had success in Houston. I think mm-hmm. everyone just paints that as a disaster. Right. By the end of it, which it was, but a mm-hmm. lot of that was because like the owner died and they put him in charge because nobody else was in charge at the time. Like, like, yeah. I think it was kind of unfair to judge him on that because of everything that was going on with that situation. Um, that being said, like, obviously you don't want to trade DeAndre Hopkins, but, right. uh, <laughs> you know, which maybe I the think, Cardinals might do now. What are, teams never learn? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, I think, you know, He's handled some pretty adverse situations, I think, you know, fairly well for stretches. That, like I said, so I mean, I think I think he's a good coach, and I think you know, if he if it's as good as he was in 2010, because that 2010 offense is one of the best offenses I've ever seen. I'll be very happy. Yeah. Uh, uh, what I, I guess uh, I don't know. I was looking at. I guess I guess David Johnson's technically on the Saints right now. Is he? Wow. That's what that's what his Wikipedia says. There's no way. There, I, I just googled it and it point. said he is a uh yeah he signed a one-year 1.2 million dollar contract with the new orleans saints wow that's surprising mm-hmm. i thought he'd be like ussfl by now yeah no he's a, he, but he's a he's an upcoming free agent though so uh you know got a chance maybe the patriots will sign him. only 32 <laughs> uh i think i'm good <laughs> bill brian listen i think we can get this guy for like only 15 million like let's let's make it happen <laughs> <laughs> what a deal <laughs> yeah uh no but definitely uh you know interesting stuff across the board uh interesting show kyle uh look we you know plenty of stuff to talk about and next week we will be doing our draft of who we think will win the uh super bowl mvp uh i'm interested in seeing when the first offensive lineman gets taken off the board here uh because there's so many good offensive linemen it's a shame that you know they never yeah. win yeah it is a shame what are we doing 20 players here yeah, I think 20 players are typically how we do it. Uh, we usually get into some special teams towards the end. Yeah, special teams touchdown will change everything. And, um, you know, there there are good kickers. There's good punters. I mean, shockingly, the two teams that made Super Bowl are pretty good teams. Right. Uh, yeah. The And I believe the way we typically do it is, uh, you know, we go back and forth. We don't do a full snake draft, but it's just one of us gets to pick first overall. And then the second one gets to pick second and third overall. And then you go back and forth from there. That sounds right. Yeah. So let's do that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, cool. So that'll be our show next week or not next week on Sunday. That'll be our show. Then next week we will do our full Super Bowl preview. I will give my predict. We'll both give our predictions, but you know, we'll see. My prediction is the one that matters as if I get it right, then I win the pick them show of the year uh, for the third straight year. I mean, this is, you know, uh, closing in on a three peak Kyle. Yeah, I don't want to hear about that. Um, we'll but I don't know who I'm going to pick yet. I wish this was a, you know, last year I felt pretty good about picking the Rams. I don't feel good about either of these picks. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say that the last, this is probably the hardest of the three years we've done this, right? Like, I think you felt really good about Tampa that one, especially with all the in, injuries on KC's offensive line. Although the Chiefs were favored in that game. Yeah, that was a mistake. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then I, I think you felt pretty good about the Rams in that one. This one feels a lot harder. Both of these teams are really stacked, and 
outside of what Lane Johnson and Legarius Need, fairly healthy. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, and I'm expecting both of those guys will still play too. So, um, yeah, yeah, should be should be an awesome Super Bowl. Should be a fun show on Sunday at nine. Sunday at nine is when we will be doing that. Kyle, let them know where Bring they can the find last us. Of us. Oh man. Oh, <laughs> do you need us? Do, do, do we need to uh, move it around? No, we're fine. I can just watch The Last of Us later. Thank you, streaming. Yeah. Have you watched that show? No, I have. Well, I, I never played the game. Should I? Should I still watch it? Yes, it's that good. Uh, it's okay. the best show on television right now. Trust me. See, I, 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 I'm trying to get into more into shows. I'm, you know, I, I've been watching a lot of movies, but I don't, I don't like. I don't know. I, I haven't gotten into a uh, ton of shows. I watched watched the first season of uh, The White Lotus. I didn't watch that one. I've heard it's good. I let's yeah. see. What shows do I like? Uh, of the past year, I like Rings of Power. Did you watch okay. that one? No. Oh man, I think I've heard like hardcore Lord of the Rings fans don't really like it, but I liked it. I'm not that hardcore of a fan. Um, that being said, I like that one. I liked. Um, I didn't like House of Dragon that much. That that's true. But okay. I do. Yeah, I do think yeah. The Last of Us. I don't think you need to play the game to understand it. Okay. But, but it's still worth it, even if you uh, chat. Let me know. Uh, is it still worth it uh, to to watch it if you if, if I have no interest in it, or is it? It's not like the fan servicey. No, not at all. It's very much. It's a story, and I think it's. Mm -hmm. you well, know, wasn't I the game? It wasn't like the game. Like it was just like a movie, basically in video game form. From what I heard, I haven't. I haven't played the game either. Okay. So that sounds like the game is amazing. Play the game first. I can't get into any story-based video game. I'm out. And it's also very long to play that game, too, from what I yeah. hear. Yeah. Well, my, my thing is, I, I like to play, I don't know, I like simple video games. I like Crash Bandicoot or like, you know, or <laughs> give me like sports games. That's what I want. I don't want, we don't, I don't, every, once they started getting into like stories that uh, have more than like 10 second cutscenes, I'm out. I guess that's fair. Although I want to listen playing... to my podcast and, and you know, uh, Get to Ooga Boogas and, uh, you know, smash crates. That's all I want. Yeah. Although I am playing Mass Effect series right now, and that is a grind. Okay. I've been Dude. playing this uh, soccer game on my phone. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I can't. I play FIFA. I have that. Yeah, there I, you go. I play NBA All World. That's fun. Yeah, uh, sports games in general. Sports games are the best. Yeah. So, but yeah, I recommend the show still. I haven't played the game. Okay, well, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'll check it out at some point. Um, Kyle, uh, we already, yeah, of course. If you like the audio only podcast, anywhere you get the audio only feed, uh, check it out. It's the on the sideline podcast. Anywhere you get your podcast, that should be available. I don't think I said that quite right, but that's fine. Uh, yeah, Kyle, any final thoughts? Uh, no, looking forward to uh, you know, we'll have a Sunday off. Maybe I'll you know get some get a little bit of R and R in and regroup for the Super Bowl. Looking forward to it. Yeah, well, we're not having a Sunday off. We're still podcasting. Yeah, but you know, I can, you know, these are easy podcasts. Yeah, yeah, these, yeah, these are the fun ones. Uh, I don't put the other any ones... prep work into these. <laughs> yeah, uh, Kyle, I don't know how much prep work we put into some of the other ones too. If I'm being honest, that's fair. Uh, mm -hmm. This the other Sunday ones where I have to watch eight hours of football, then go on a podcast live at eleven o'clock, and then everyone gets mad at me when I get the slightest thing wrong. <laughs> Those are a lot harder, I will say. Hey, you idiot! In the in in the Texans Giants game, actually, there, there was three field goals scored, not just two. Hey, uh, sorry, man. You know, <laughs> if you want to give me an extra day to prep, I could. Do, we could do a Monday night, but no, we don't want to do that. Yeah, no, no one cares at that point. Yeah, exactly. We're not that popular. 
No, not at all. So yeah, we, we got to get it out we quick. Have to, we have to capitalize on the opportunity <laughs> of being first. Yeah, exactly. We know what we're doing here. Yeah. So I'm sorry if I get something wrong on Sunday nights. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, and it will happen, but that's okay. Uh, again, thank you to everybody. We do appreciate it. Listening to all of this, uh, you know, uh, all this nonsense that we talk about an hour and 20 minutes. Uh, good stuff. We'll be back. Uh, we'll be back Sunday. I uh, hope to see you then. And until next time, see you later, alligator. Peace.